Did you did you bring a landline phone to college? I did not. Okay. I feel like we were past that. At least I was. I don't know if I just read you. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. I mean, I think I asked that question knowing that no one else has ever said yes. And despite the fact that I started college in 2008, I brought a landline phone to my dorm room. can't let it go a show about the things stuck in our heads my name's matt and i use he him pronouns i'm ac i use they them pronouns and i'm coming to you live from inside of my partner's closet (laughs) (laughs) it looked like you were having trouble moving your arms to like open documents so yeah i'm in like okay i live in washington dc i live in a very small apartment in washington dc our bedrooms are like small enough that like a queen size bed And distance for you to walk on either side of it. So it's like eight by 10. It's very small. So right now, my setup is my butt is in the closet. Um, (laughs) There is a chair in front of me holding my laptop. And then immediately on the other side of the chair, which is touching my chest, um, is my bed. So (laughs) here I am squished in just for you for both audio quality and like chaos in my house reasons today. So uh, excited to be here with you, Matt. What are we talking about today? Oh, today we're talking about Garfield phone beach, which like I've said before (laughs) is three words smashed together that meant nothing to me until I realized they made Garfield shaped phones for a while. Yes. Yeah. And I assume it has to do with that. It does. Yeah. The Garfield phone beach. I asked you what we were talking about, but it's, it's my turn to tell you about the Garfield turn. phone beach. <laughs> Before we get into it, I wanted to uh, tell the folks that we have a little bit of a programming note. So we've got this episode, and then next week we have a really big special episode. Well, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. For, next episode. Yes, yes. Yeah. Next episode, <laughs> not next week. Two weeks from now, we have a really big special episode that we're extremely excited about. And uh, frankly, if you want to hear more about it, or if you want to participate in uh some teasing fun about like what it might be. You should definitely join the discord. We had some fun with the question episode and uh, definitely going to try and repeat that fun with this one. Yeah. But after that, that episode's going to be the last of this season. Yeah. And we're going to come back uh, at some point. We'll have a date for you. Hopefully next episode. If not, Again, join us in the Discord. We'll let you know when. But AC and I are both <laughs> going through a lot right now in terms of just like what's taking up our time. I'm yeah. moving across the country to be closer to AC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not just to be closer to me. I mean, it's a big perk. But Yes, it is a big perk. <laughs> um, and I just like I've got some big changes going on at work right now that I'm really excited about. I think it's like a... We've got so many moving parts in our lives right now to coordinate that we want to make sure that we're showing up for this podcast as best we can. So we're taking a little break and we'll be back. I think our hope is like late spring, early summer, Um, but we'll be we'll be back with a specific date. We'll share it in the discord first, but then also on all our social channels. We've got one more episode after this, like Matt said, going to be a banger. And yeah, we just, I just want to say, Matt, I'm so glad we get to make this show together. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, it was uh, our birthdays recently, but specifically we Indeed. rescheduled for my birthday. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I appreciate that, like, even though it is very difficult to change the schedule right now, we were both like, cool, we're making this happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it's like, 
it's cool and fun to make stuff with your friends and it's cool and fun to be like I'm making stuff with my friends and therefore it's low stakes and we can make the choices that are like good mm-hmm. for us and also like we both want to be making this so we're both mm-hmm. figuring out how to make it work um, and we're really happy that all of you are listening because that's really what makes it extra fun for us because we're making it with each other but also with all of you yeah absolutely so in in searching my brain for a little nugget for the show today, I I thought the what I which I often do, what <laughs> is the thing that I currently cannot let go of? Yeah, yeah. And the answer was uh, this video game called Balatro. I have become this game's I feel like number one booster. It is a it, it looks like a poker game. You are playing poker hands, but it is one of a very common genre of video game these days called roguelike deck builders which those words oh probably don't mean a ton to a lot of people but well but we defined them in our marvel snap episode yeah that's right we talked about deck builders Did we talk about roguelikes where it's like run based and it's random and changes all the time mm, maybe i'm remembering a conversation where you explained to me what roguelike is because i play hades and i mm. wanted to learn more about there like you go. that type of game but yeah 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 so if you play hades then you know like, but imagine that smashed up with like magic or Marvel Snap. Like that's basically what what these are. And it's a very popular kind of game and a game that I play a lot of. Uh, but Balatro is that based on poker, and it is it's so good. I uh, I actually did a video on it and Marvel Snap and why I like it, that style of game better, like Balatro style of game better, because it's not competitive and annoying and and it kind of doesn't make me feel the gross toxic things that competitive online games make me feel. And anyway, it came out today. Um, for real, <laughs> cool. I've been playing the demo and just okay. been excited about the demo for a long time. Um, and was really lucky to, um, get a code from NBZ who works for Playstack Games, the publisher of the, of the game. Uh, he sent me a code on my birthday, which was very kind of him. Nice. And yeah, anyway, I'm excited to go buy it on Switch and play it on Switch after this because now it's yeah. available there. <laughs> are you going to stream any of it? Like, are you going to... I did actually yesterday. So, um, you know this, but, uh, to... Uh, folks in the discord we've got the video alerts channel there that has largely been the into the aether folks streaming and we're kind of expanding that space to be all of twg so um, you might see me in there you might see chase or david um hell you might see you know kim from frog of the week in there who knows <laughs> i i could stream a game matt you could do it you could stream I whatever you want don't know how to do that you can teach me <laughs> i'll help you when i live closer <laughs> okay. To you. okay 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 <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. Hey, maybe AC and Matt play some games streams coming to you. That is yeah. like a thing that could happen now that we live. We'll be living in I the same place. I would absolutely do an in-person Hades stream with you. That'd be rad. <laughs> it's just me cursing the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> going, fuck, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh, shit. Shit, 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 shit. I'm going to die. No, this time for real. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, you want to tell me about garfield phone beach uh okay yes and matt i i want to start i want to start like this with there are a few things on the top of my mind when i've been thinking about what this episode for garfield phone beach should sound like and the first is like this story i i want to preface this by saying this story is something that touches on so many parts of like my life and my interests and is like very connected to parts that are like fundamental about me that we haven't really talked about on the pod. And so I want to 
indulge in some of that like context as much as I can without making it like the boring AC show. Um, And I wanted to start us out with a question that is the question that has made this like cemented the Garfield phone beach cemented in my mind forever, Um, which is Matt, what is somewhere anywhere in the world that you really want to visit just to see it with your own eyes, not because it's like interesting or notable or like famous or whatever, but there's something out there that you just really want to visit to see it with your own eyes. What is that for you? I already know the answer to this. Um, it is kind of famous, but it's it's uh, Kuruizawa in okay. Japan purely because of Terrace House, like purely because of Terrace House opening new doors. And in fact, Jonathan and I are planning a trip to Japan and like trying to figure out how feasible it is to visit Kurizawa. Yeah. See, okay. I love that. That's not the answer that I expected at all. Someone asked me this question. In fact, my mom, my partner and I were in a conversation several years ago. And this question was like the question that came up. And for me, the answer without thinking about it in the same way, immediately I knew my answer. It was Garfield Phone Beach. Okay. And I think it's because this was around the time that um, the story about the there, there was like a big news moment around the story in 2019 um, that I'll get to like what that reveal is. It's the mystery was solved basically. Mm. Um, But I want to give you the context of like what the Garfield phone beach is and why, why I'm fascinated with it. So you are right. It starts with the Garfield phone. So you remember novelty phones? Did you have a novelty phone in high school? We didn't have a novelty phone at all. No. Did you, did you bring a landline phone to college? I did not. Okay. I feel like we were past that. At least I was. I don't know if I just read you. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. I mean, I think I asked that question knowing that no one else has ever said yes. And despite the fact that I started college in 2008, I brought a landline phone to my dorm room um, with me. Uh, it was a little mermaid phone um, just because it was funny. And like one of the only landline phones that I could find in the store in 2008, because landline phones weren't really like a thing anymore. <laughs> They were like at the end of dying. Yeah. Yeah. So like you would have them for your parents' house and the office, but not your dorm room. Right. Right. And I, I think like both hipstery and also just like sort of generally misguided on what is appropriate. I've always been really into landline phones. And, you know, I didn't grow up in the right era for that. I actually don't even really like talking on the phone. I just, I I just, I actually like am notoriously, I don't like talking on the phone. I answer the phone for a limited number of people. I'm that person. Uh, But I don't know, just something about the landline phone has always been alluring to me. And I do really like, I mean, something else that is true about me is that I really love novelty items. Just in general, I love going to the thrift store. I love weird old stuff. And, and not even just generally weird old stuff. Like, I really like things that clearly once had a very specific utility, right? Like, like the, the home phone is a thing that is a cultural icon that existed for such a short period of time, but was so, like, so vastly changed the day-to-day life of the average American household mm-hmm. that 
it is memorialized forever in TV and movies, right? And like, there's so much interesting stuff. Like, I don't know, Matt, how much time like you spend with kids or like what you know about this. But have you seen this like gesture that's coming around that they're talking about like Gen Alpha is doing like, oh, when they're no. done talking to you and they do this? No. Okay, it's like because they're like scrolling by you. They're like, I want to scroll past whatever it is you're saying. Whoa, what? And like moving your finger up and down like that, right? Or if you ask a kid, like you see a kid now doing play at home they might hold their hand up to their face like this like holding a phone instead of doing the thumb fingers phone right, right? That one I've seen Th heard. so those kinds of gestures right like i think still right the phone is like a very important thing in people's lives telephones but the specific experience of like the landline phone right mm -hmm. is in and of itself like a nostalgic time almost timeless but not timeless very time bound experience right it's something that you me and everyone we know probably has has the experience of like oh yeah we had a landline phone when i was growing mm -hmm. up right yeah i think you feel about landline phones similar to the way that i feel about cassette tape players matt you know I have a cassette tape tattoo, okay? You, yes. I love cassette players. I love record players and eight tracks and right. laser discs. Oh, my God. My favorite thing when I was in middle school was watching the movie Murder by Death on Laserdisc with my best friend who owned two Laserdiscs. It was Murder by Death and Titanic. <laughs> I didn't realize they put Titanic on Laserdisc. Yeah, baby. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I just generally like novelty phones, novelty items, and I really do like the like the kitsch of it. Right. And and and, and in this way, I'm also often thinking about it now. Right. In the last five years, thinking more and more about like the ways in which culture is being flattened mm. and like the ways in which people are always looking to seem more like one another. Right. And so like these novelty phones, you know, yeah, the Garfield telephone may have been a hot item among young people in like the late seventies and eighties. I don't really know. I wasn't alive then. And I didn't do the, the, the like deep dive to figure out if this was actually a cool thing to own then or not. Right. But like, I think it was like, oh, do you, did you have a novelty phone? Which one was it? Because there were many different ones, right? And it was less about ubiquity of form, right? They're not all the same iPhone that people are chasing after. The coveted item is a novelty phone that represents something that you like or are interested in. It's a basketball. It's a lips. It's a soccer ball. It's the hamburger. Uh, one, the hamburger. The Oh my God, the hamburger one from Juno, Matt, yeah. maybe Yeo just unlocked. Maybe that's where it comes from for me that I just love novelty phones. Yeah. Juno is absolutely like my reference point. I mean, I realized that they were like on TV and, and movies before sure. that, but like that was really cultural, culturally relevant to us as teens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then there's another part of my life that you need to know about to know like why this is a story that would have crossed my radar sooner than its big news moment, which is that when I was in college, I got my undergraduate degree in environmental sociology. So, um, yes, um, the rumors are true. I'm never beating the dirty hippie allegations. <laughs> um, if you met me at that point in my life, it, I was like... Part of it is that I, like, am a rule follower, and so sometimes people feel surprised to, like, learn this about me, 
But I was like as much of a hippie and a rule follower as you could be, which is actually surprisingly like pretty hippie culture. Hippies mm-hmm. like rules. Um, and I grew up in a hippie household. I got this environmental sociology degree. I really thought that the thing that I was going to do was like go into environmental sociology research, be a writer, be a researcher about how people relate to the environment around them, have relationships with environmental disasters, how they're impacted by it, all of that kind of stuff. Right. And so when I was a senior in college, I don't know if you remember this, I wrote a paper about consumable plastic products. And um, so this is in 2011, I was writing this paper about single-use plastic and like the myth of recycling. So this is at a time when recycling is at its peak of popularity and there's not as much knowledge, uh, uh, like it's less culturally known that like a lot of recycling centers are actually just throwing stuff into landfills, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that you put into the recycling bin is not getting recycled, but there are these big pushes around recycling as the answer to all of our problems. Problems. Again, this is like 15 years ago. It's not <laughs> it's not where the discourse is now, but it was really important to me then. So I was often following stories about plastic waste, you know, the, the great garbage patch was just coming into not like common knowledge, right? I think this is around the time when when I was in college is around the time when people are starting to do like the kayaking across the ocean to reveal Mm -hmm. the great plastic garbage patch Mm -hmm. the size of texas you know anyway so all of that is like context you need about me before i give you the context that you need about the garfield phone i very remember the uh the plastic use stuff you did i think it was actually before we met Um, If I recall correctly, there are two different things that happen. So one is I did a project before we met in class that was like the assignment was like you should do something to reduce your overall consumption in some way um, to change your lifestyle for one month. And the problem Mm -hmm. was that uh, the the big big three suggestions were. Um, measure your energy output, like based on your ener- your your energy bill, and try to reduce your footprint by a certain amount. Your your like energy use by a certain amount over the next month. Um, be a vegetarian for a month, and don't drive your car for a month. And here are some small facts about me at that time in my life. I lived on campus and I did not have an energy bill. I was already a vegetarian and I did not own a car. Yep. So <laughs> I was like, I was like, cool. I can't do any of those things. What can I do? And what I came up with was for one month, I did not use consumable plastic products or more accurately for one month. I calculate, I cataloged every instance where I tried to refuse a single use plastic item and I could not refuse it. So like examples were, uh, pill bottles, um, right? Like over-the-counter medications um, at the pharmacy. Like there aren't options to get things in glass bottles or to get individual mm-hmm. pills dosed out to you in an envelope or like some non-plastic alternative. You know, at the grocery store, you're buying boxes that are closed with plastic glue or have plastic windows, right? Like that to truly go plastic free is a very difficult thing was what I was trying to illustrate. And then for a capstone project senior year, I wrote a much bigger research paper about that. Didn't know that. Didn't know that part. Yeah. That was that semester that I took like no classes (laughs) and I just worked all the time. 
maybe. <laughs> it was like uh, it was it was the it was winter 2011. Matt, oh. Mitch and I, Mitch, friend of the pod who was on the podcast, he and I took a class together. It was history of medicine. I did an independent study class where I wrote this paper. Uh, yes. And I took like one other class and I mostly just worked the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's like a little bit of AC lore. So on Twitter, I don't remember. Some point before 2019, I first heard about this story, which is that since the 1980s on the shoreline of Brittany in France, which is the like tip of France that kind of points back towards the U.S., you know, on that western coast of France, for 30 years, since the late 1980s, Garfield phones have been washing up on the beaches of Brittany. Washing up, like not being placed there? No, like washing up. Like they are beat up, battered there. Sometimes it's small pieces. Sometimes it's just the cord. Sometimes it's just the receiver. Sometimes it's the whole phone. But for years, pieces and entire Garfield phones were washing up on this beach. And they could not figure out where they were coming from. Huh. And so then eventually what re- what this really is, is more than a story of like, it is a story of environmental pollution, right? Eventually the internet became very interested in this mystery. And activists and community members who had spent years collecting and picking up these pieces of this Garfield phones, these Garfield phones to keep their beaches clean, start reaching out to like journalists or journalists find them. I'm not really sure about that part, but French journalists start to pick up on the story. And in February 2019 is the first story that I can find that's published in like a reputable news outlet, um, which is France Info. They publish this story about the Garfield phone beaches and they're basically like, like, we don't know why, but here's this beach where all of these phones have been washing up. And I really, one thing that I love about it is that <laughs> this quote from that piece, um, which was, um, the phenomenon is such that the Ansel Association has included Garfield phones in the list of recurring waste on its ocean plastic tracker map. So that is to say that a a specific association in like France or the EU that tracks what type of plastic people are doing, like recovering from beaches, that they recover enough of this specific phone to specifically be like, I picked up a piece of Garfield phone plastic trash on the beach today when you fill out a form. That's wild. <laughs> That's nuts. So then in March of 2019, only a month later, right? France Info and then the the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these news agencies pick up the story. I mean, and I think like Bored Panda, right? Like this is kind of stumble upon era is like when I was finding this information Mm -hmm. initially, right? And so it's very primed for that kind of storytelling. And I'll get to that in a minute. But So this story in March 2019 comes out and it's like for more than 30 years, these phones have been washing up and we we solved the mystery. The mystery is solved. I will never forget watching this video. So this video involves a few things that I'm afraid of. Um, The ocean and caves. I love the ocean and I love swimming, but I am terrified of caves and I'm specifically terrified of ocean caves. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is so I feel weird that. That is, but no, i like it's not weird i feel it absolutely there are enough stories that i read as a child and i also think that like i have a family member who was killed and a like tides came back in and they never heard from him again kind of way like he went cl- and this is like you know i mean in the 50s like very a very long time ago but the like the tide rises in the cave and then there's no water in the cave and you're just underwater and there's nowhere to go like other than Mm -hmm. out of the cave, right? It's very scary to me. So it's one of, it turns out, it's one of those kinds of caves where it like goes way back in. And this is another point to um, why I'm afraid of the ocean because what they find in this cave is an entire shipping container full of Garfield phones that at some point in the 80s fell off of a shipping vessel or like there was some sort of accident or wreck or whatever. Mm -hmm. It fell off of a fishing vessel. They can't find the exact whatever. And that shipping container got lodged in this sea cave. So the ocean was strong enough to pick up that that container and like basically carry it into this cave and... It lands there and then for 30 years, you know, there's like whole, it starts to erode, pieces come out. And the reason that they are always being found all over these beaches is because essentially the the cave fills with water, picks up debris and takes that debris out of the cave with it. So that's why it's been like this slow leak over time. And then the real thing that happens that makes this a cultural phenomenon is um, here's from February 2021 is people tweeting things like, can't stop thinking about that French beach that keeps bringing Garfield phones from the ocean. (laughs) It's literally a story of how people became fixated. There are, over the years, like 10 or 15 of these extremely viral on Twitter Viral on Reddit, viral on Tumblr posts of people saying, I can't stop thinking about the Garfield phone beach. Does this happen like before social media at all? Because you said it's been happening for 30 years. So I don't really know. Like, presumably they've been finding this this trash since the 80s. So I think that this is a really interesting version of like. I'm sure there was lo- like locals, right? So basically somebody was like, came came to that part of France and we're like, why are there Garfield phone beaches? And all the locals were like, we don't, we don't know why we're always finding Garfield <laughs> phones, but like, it's a thing that's true. So it seems like something that was like a local story or like a local sort of inside joke that because of the power of the internet, right, became this larger meme, this larger story, right? I don't mm. think this happens without... Either. Like, I think there's a version of this story that happens in the 80s where, like, somebody tells a New York Times reporter that there are Garfield phones on this beach and they figure it out. Right. Like, right. But the, you know, the version of this story that is this viral meme that keeps popping up over and over again, I think only happens with the Internet. Right. Right looking at your notes and there's like 17 different versions of the same post. Correct. Yes. And like notably, they all have like 50,000 engagements, 100,000 engagements. Like when I say super viral, like these are the kinds of posts that people create because they're primed 
to go viral, right? They're people recycling the same version of content that they've either they're either doing it on purpose or sometimes they're doing it because they don't realize that it's something that they saw super viral years ago, right? And you're like, oh, or months ago or a few weeks ago, right? Like, and you're just regurgitating that thing that you've already read, but it seems so obscure and weird that why would anyone have posted about that, right? Mm-hmm. And so... um, yeah, that like memification effect is a big part of like why I am always thinking about the Garfield phone beach. Because essentially, I mean, essentially, this is this shouldn't be a fun and funny story. I mean, obviously, the Garf that it's Garfield phones is part of what makes it mm-hmm. fun and funny, right? Because it is just like if you look at the images and you see that it's just funny to see like these Garfield phones. I guess I didn't even describe what the Garfield phone looks like for our listeners, which is that it is Garfield like laying down on his stomach and the receiver is such that when you pick it up, his eyes open and when you close it, his eye when you put set it down, his eyes close. So the, also, the phone is part of his back, which just even before Garfield Phone Beach I always felt a little body horror to me. <laughs> yes, there is absolutely a body horror element to it. There is absolutely a like weird, weird, like sort of cryptid almost like mm-hmm. like a modern cryptid. Right. Like, oh, the, the Garfield phone from the Garfield Phone Beach. Right. Like you can see all of the versions of those kind of memifications of like the horrors. And then my favorite one, perhaps, is this tweet from um, someone whose display name is Shan Horan. Um, Shan Horan draws. Um, is an illu- they're an illustrator and they drew like this beautiful illustration of a Garfield phone washed up on the beach that is like the lo- the headliner image of this New York Times story um, that goes super viral about it um, and they just like paint it and that that post has forty thousand almost fifty thousand engagements from January of this year. So, yeah. like, this story originally goes viral in 2019. And in January of this year, someone is posting an illustration of a photo that was taken that was published in the New York Times in 2019. And it went viral with 47 or 43.7 thousand engagements. Right. Like, I feel like you told me you wanted to record this episode before that. Like, I tweet did. Happened. I did. I did. Right. And like. So it's this thing where, like, I, I also, I, I think, like, one of the other things, the reasons that I can't stop thinking about it is, like, I love these kinds of v- truly viral, but v- somehow very niche stories, right? Because I, I have, I've been thinking about this as a viral post on the internet for five plus years, mm-hmm. and you've never heard of it, and we are both mm-hmm. extremely online, Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I love that kind of thing where you're talking to someone and you're like, have you heard of the Garfield phone beach? And there are two reactions and it's no, I've never heard of that or absolutely. Yes. I know Mm -hmm. exactly what you are talking about. And I am also fascinated by it. Right. And like, that's a really exciting interaction to have. That's it's an interesting way. You talked about like the flattening of culture earlier, but um, a way that I think culture is currently like, evolving new ways to diverge right 
is, um, I don't know, like niche virality, the thing that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, yesterday, <laughs> to get a little, what have we been texting about segment in here? Yesterday, <laughs> I texted you just like an interaction that I had on TikTok with somebody that I thought was funny. And you didn't immediately know who it was, but it's because you didn't know their username. But it before I knew that, I was like, oh, it's extremely possible that this person that I'm talking to in these comments is very famous on TikTok and AC has never heard of them. Yeah. Right? Because that happens to me so much these days where like, I don't know, I, I have, I'm obsessed with uh, Oliver Richmond on TikTok and he's writing a song a day every day this year and he wrote the uh, Punxsutawney Phil musical thing that's been going around, right? But like, it took until I said Punxsutawney Phil for you to like even yeah. know what I was talking about. And that means you've missed a whole part of like this culture of this one person. You know? Yeah, I, I was like, oh, I haven't heard of that person. And then you started to describe it. And I was like, the song a day thing. I was like, oh, I yeah. remember there was that guy who posted. It was like writing one song every day. Here's my song about Punxsutawney Phil. Right. And yeah. then, like that's, <laughs> that's my entry point. Right. But I think that like that kind of stuff is so interesting. And I think that like. Yeah, you're it is possible. Like I I mean I suffer every day. I go on so I manage a you know a, a I manage social media for a large brand. We have, you know, a, a large a multi, millions of followers across all of our mm-hmm. our apps is what I'll say. And I go on our TikTok to scroll on the on the work account so that we get better targeted stuff for the work account and I feel like I have no idea what's happening. I don't I I don't recognize faces, I don't recognize names, I don't recognize formats like and that's less true over time as I've spent more time investing in that space there, but like there are TikTok who have millions of followers that I have never heard of or like mm. have heard of one time in a report. And I'm like, oh, I know that that person exists. Right. But I think of that often, like within niches, right. You're talking about like people who are famous within their niche who have one to four million followers, but outside of their niche, nobody knows who they are. Right. Sorry. The thing that came to my head was a John Green book quote, which is some infinities are bigger than other infinities. <laughs> AC has disappeared off screen as much as is possible in the tiny space they're sitting. <laughs> I like leaned so my face was sort of hidden by the chair. Um, wow. Jo- wow. Matt, so true. I, I almost called you I, John. I also want to say, I, I also want to say like, I know we talk a lot about the Green Brothers and, uh, <laughs> oh man, are they rightly, I think, getting some flack right now. And yeah. um, if anything, uh, so if you don't know, they're getting a lot of flack right now because they really kind of refuse to talk about Palestine and genocide yeah. being, uh, the genocide of the, per- the Palestinian people. Um, and I'll just say I'm owning love things and critique them. Um, yeah. And... Uh, mostly just like engaging with the stuff that I can right now. Anyway, just want, I, I've been wanting to like say something about the Green Brothers for a while now because it's like it's it's a bummer to think about. Um, yeah. But anyway, little side moment there. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll say it this way. There are a lot of people who are engaging in the critical discourse and I'll like in a way that I think is really valuable and the Green Brothers could stand to listen to, especially mm-hmm. because of the ways that they've been involved in that issue in the past. And like, we don't need to repeat those things here, but you should go seek out like mm-hmm. people who are sharing them. And I will try to find some of those videos and like share them in the discord um, yeah. for, you know, people to think about if, if you like us are longtime followers of theirs. Yeah. 
Anyway, niche virality. And yeah. Some I mean, the Green Brothers are a great example of niche yeah. virality, right? Like people who were very popular within their niche and then moved outside of their niche and like now are responsible to a larger and larger audience and like have intentionally positioned themselves to grow in that way and haven't necessarily upheld that part of that responsibility. Right. Mm -hmm. But like anyway, so that's like a, a sidebar here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've thought of a million sidebars, um, but I'm going to try to steer us back towards towards this. And like the thing that I think here that I really want to narrow in on is something as someone who is trained as an environmental sociologist, who has spent a lot of time thinking about the ways that people like engage with disaster and crisis is that like. At its core, this is essentially making a meme mm -hmm. out of the climate crisis, right? This is one of many of of a like a long-standing sort of tradition of memes about the climate crisis, right? And this sort of like absurdism and nihilism that a lot of us are engaging in thinking about being critical of like some millennials hate the absurdism and the nihilism but don't have a sense of how our own like cultural icons and like cultural moments are really hinge on that same sort of um root absurdity um, even if it shows up differently, like I think of all of the videos, like absurdist videos that you and I used to watch together, Vine as absurdism, like really key parts of millennial culture hinge around the, the, the concept of absurdism. Like drop my croissant. <laughs> drinking out of cups, <laughs> being a bitch, right? Oh like, like <laughs> that video is fucked up. It's still so funny, but there's parts of that video that I'm like, yeah. man, we really let him get away with this. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and so like the the like in some ways the Garfield phone beach is just like a perfect encapsulation of that, right? Of this some of this thing that is so influential within our generation and younger generations, right? The climate crisis and also got to make jokes about it because like what else are we going to do right mm -hmm. what else are we when when backed into this corner like how else do we cope with the number of disasters happening on any any front of our lives in slow motion right and like not that you thought that i was going to talk about the climate crisis in this episode titled garfield phone beach but <laughs> i mean at the point where you started talking about uh single-use plastics i was like we're getting there <laughs> yeah 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 so uh you know this 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 reddit post right like and i think like i, I included this because I think that it's such a good illustration of how it's a thing that sticks in people's heads, right? Is on like an R nostalgia um, or I, I don't remember if it was R nostalgia or like something similar to that, right? Someone posted, I wanted a Garfield phone so bad, but mom said no. And it was like a photo of the phone just out of the box, like a new Garfield phone. And someone commented and said, see, if you lived on the French coast, one would just wash up on your lawn. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, it's like, oh, yeah, the cat distribution system for Garfield phones. Like, what's that like? Right. Like these little niche jokes. And so, like, I think the other thing is that for every tweet that you that I found that has hundreds of thousands of engagements or close to 100,000 engagements, there are countless tweets about people referencing the Garfield phone beach. If you go to like 
Twitter's advanced search and you look, sorry, X is advanced search barf. Um, and you look, it's like, this is something that people discover and rediscover and become excited about and invested in and think is funny. There is something like unique and specific to this story. And I think that like one of the things that is interesting to me about it is like a marketer could not have come up with a better or like a more well-tailored entry point to get people interested in plastic ocean waste, right? Like there is something real here that, Mm -hmm. that, that is drawing people in. And like, I'm always looking for these kinds of entry points in, in many different facets of my life where I'm looking for something to as a way in to talk to my loved ones about something that's like otherwise a really difficult topic to start about like if you say to someone like i'd like to talk to you today about climate change like hey matt how are you feeling about climate change today and the answer is bad pretty bad i don't want to think about that you know yeah but it's like hey matt i want to talk to you about the garfield phone beach do you know about it like do you know why it happened do you know where it came from and then like there's there's a natural starting place for like two, two directions for the conversation to go fun, light, funny, but there is also an opportunity without the entry point being so dire, which sometimes it needs, like, sometimes it's Mm -hmm. like, please look at these dire circumstances. Like right, right now, what many of us are doing with relation to like the Palestinian genocide, right? Like, please do, do not look away. Right. Like we need your attention here in this moment. But in, the large, these larger sort of more nebulous cultural crises. I mean, climate crisis isn't a cultural crisis, but like mm-hmm. these these bigger crisis moments that are harder to grasp onto the specifics of like what you can do. I think of this as like a really interesting entry point. So from the article, there are these two other quotes that I really thought were were very interesting, um, right? The phones, they are no longer waste, but evidence in that they are evidence of the climate crisis, right? Mm. Garfield is a strong source of interest. Beach cleanups almost turn into treasure hunts. Even my children with whom I clean up can't wait to find Garfield phones. And not to make it all about me again, Matt, but... (laughs) When I was a child, I really loved hunting for bottle caps mm. um, in the dirt on the side of the road. My parents hated it because they thought mm. I was going to get a cut and get a disease, which is, you know, as an adult, like pretty rational and pretty possible. <laughs> 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 like that I would have gotten cut and like gotten tetanus or something like that. Right. Um, but I really also think of it as this like. I liked to collect bottle caps because it was something to do, but there was also something that had been taught to me of like, we pick up our trash, right? Like we clean up after ourselves. We leave a place better than we found it. You know, I was, I was in scouts, like all of that kind of stuff. And like, I can't help but wonder what does it mean to leave some place better than you found it when it comes to something like the Garfield phone beach? How do you, how do you do that kind of removal and clean up for something like an ocean container full of Garfield phones mm-hmm. that doesn't just pass the problem on to someone else, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't say instead of the Garfield phones washing up on the beach, 
beaches of France, the Garfield phones now live in a landfill disassembled for parts in a country with no protections for people who do that kind of work, you know, um, in the U.S., right? It's melted down and the fumes are piped into communities that are not able to push back against those kinds of facilities being in their neighborhoods. It's called racial redlining or environmental redlining, right? Like, So, like, there's something very funny about this, but I've gotten very philosophical here. The Garfield phone beaches, they're about nostalgia. They're about coincidence. They're about novelty. And they're about... The climate crisis and global consumption and like, obviously, I've been pretty much just talking at you for 40 minutes at this point. And like, obviously, it is something that I can't, I cannot stop thinking about. But I am going to stop talking and let you like, what do you think now that I've given you my my PowerPoint presentation about the Garfield (laughs) phone beach? (laughs) Matt, thoughts? That's funny. Uh what was I? Oh, I, I'm not going to say what I was, what I, the thing was. It was more internal uh, TWG yeah. stuff. But yeah. I, I posted like an essay in Discord the other day. And I was like, I guess my question is thoughts? Thoughts? <laughs> like, I don't know. I just have feelings and I'm putting them out into the world. <laughs> um, but no, I think the thing you said about it potentially being a lighthearted topic, but still opening the door for deeper conversations is like the thing that I'll take away from this conversation. You know, I think you were quick to like right at the end there kind of like dance away from like the deeper implications. But I think it's important to say that like that is it's a real story. It's a that is an important piece of this very funny thing. And both of those things can be true. Yeah. Um, And like, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily think that like that's a diversion in in any way um, from the topic at hand. The topic at hand is it's very goofy that for 30 years this has been happening. And it's also like a really clear example of the ways in which we are failing our environment, right? And the place that we live. I also, as you were talking, was like, you're right in that there's not a way to like undo do the thing in a way that doesn't push the problem mm-hmm. onto somebody else. But at the same time, for me, it's something easier to grasp onto for people to consider solutions. Yeah. Right. The a thing that I struggle with, with big problems like climate change, or is not being able to come up with any I, like ideas around what would you even do? Right. Mm-hmm. Because while climate change, it, is mostly perpetrated by, you know, a handful of very big actors, right? I do care about it in a way that like, I'm like, what could we do as a, as a planet, right? Yeah. Uh, a planet full of people. And the Garfield phone beach is a small way in which we could say, okay, how did it end up there? How do yeah. we make a build a world where it didn't end up there? How do we build a world where we got this novelty, we got this fun, but we weren't, you know, <laughs> using these plastics in this way. Yeah. Right. Or even like, okay, great. I've told you this really fun story and we're all like laughing. Who do you think should be responsible for cleaning it up? Where does the responsibility lie? Because like that's uh, that's a part I didn't even touch on. Tyco, the company that makes these phones, right? Like can't really be held responsible because I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist in the way that it did anymore. Like that it used to. And like who who is responsible for cleaning it up when there is international ocean waste like this right like that's a big part of of the tension and the challenge right like the UN other you know other international organizations 
have really tried to motivate people around cleaning up the great plastic garbage patch, right? Like, and there's lots of discourse about Americans in particular as consumers, as over consumers, right? Um, so who is responsible? The people who consumed the phones, the people who were intending to purchase the phones, the people who sold the phones in the first place, the governments involved in the selling of the phones, the governments involved in making the decision that it's not worth chasing down companies for that kind of ocean waste. Like mm-hmm. who the who is the cost paid towards? And like in the in the context of the climate crisis, when we see inaction from governments and companies, um, you know, when we see that lack of moral courage, what we know is that the person who ultimately becomes responsible for doing the cleanup is these people who are one mm. by one picking up the Garfield phone be- phones from the beach, right? right? Part by part, communities are caring for their beaches by cleaning up that trash where it is possible to do trash removal, right? And the people who experience trash at the volume where it's not possible to do it then must simply live with it right and mm-hmm. like there so there's there's like every this this story has everything <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know that i love a story about like communities uh like making do in in difficult times and not that like garfield phones washing up on your beach is the most difficult thing right but like it's representative of of ways that like communities take care of each other and protect their the spaces that they live in and I don't know the idea that like it's indicative of uh, a community taking care of itself is uh, I don't know that's meaningful to me, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> I care about those things. Yeah, yeah, and I think like I think like I've had different responses to this story over the years. There was one version of this story where I saw it and I was like, oh man, I really love that Garfield phone. I want one, right? Mm-hmm. There is a version of this story where I was like, the place that I want to go the most in the world to see with my own eyes is a Garfield, is the Garfield phone beach, right? And now for me, this this story is like, I can't stop thinking about this because I cannot th- stop thinking about it as an example of all of the other things that I have studied and tried to communicate to people in my life about this particular type of like ocean plastic garbage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a cool story. I also love treasure. I like I also, I also love beachcombing and like yeah. like like on on the flip side, I think like one of the genres of like TikToks that I watch a ton is the like beachcombing, mudlarking, like river stone, rock hounding, all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I love little treasure hunts and I you know, I love the idea of this as a treasure hunt. What? <laughs> it's just funny. It's just very you. Yeah. I'm just laughing because it's it's very AC. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's true. I think like um, if you were to ever take me to a creek or a beach or whatever, like I'm the kid that's sitting in the river just looking at rocks, like not playing I with anyone else. I have a picture like, of you with a rock that looks like the state of Oklahoma from Lake Erie. I have that rock. <laughs> it's it's in the other room. It sits on my it sits on my table under my lamp. I think it's a very cool rock. It looks yeah. it, it is I think Matt is really underselling the degree to which the shape of that rock looks like the state it of Oklahoma. It looks like someone carved it to be the state of Oklahoma and then like threw it on a river for twenty mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe they did. We'll never know. But also looks <laughs> very naturally occurring. <laughs> okay. I think that's pretty much like my treatise on the Garfield phone beach. Um, 
Any other thoughts you'd like to add, Matt? Questions you you have about the Garfield phone beach? I didn't really stop to take a breath. So. No, it's fine. I appreciate it. One of the uh, original ideas we had to describe this podcast was uh, a PowerPoint party. Um, yeah. And this is absolutely an example of PowerPoint that party energy. Of, <laughs> that kind of episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mostly, I just want to point at it really vigorously and be like, do you see this thing? Do you see it? It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do really encourage you to read the full New York Times piece on why, you know, the Garfield phones kept watching up on the beach. Um, it includes some like uh, additional just details about like locations um, and like what the cost of of overall, you know, like shipping incidents is in terms of like ocean waste. Um, you know, in one accident alone in 2014, more than 500 containers were lost from a, you know, a ship in the Bay of Biscay. So, you know, these lost containers have long lasting effects on marine life as well as like coastal communities. Um, and, you know, a lot of times we hear these about these stories or these accidents when the shipping containers contain, you know, hazardous materials, but we don't usually hear about them if there is an accident and shipping containers are lost with items in them or with like non-hazardous materials in them. Um, so, or even when they're just empty, you know? Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I think there's something so special, so funny, so specific, you know, Garfield is such a popular character, but it's it's not unique to Garfield, right? Um, it's not Garfield isn't the only kind of like kitschy waste that exists. Um, and you know, I think my takeaway is like we shouldn't only focus on waste and consumption or think about waste and consumption when we're being challenged by stories like the Garfield phone beach. Mm. Yeah. Well, shall we do our sign off? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, sorry, I just got to say that there's probably going to be a really gnarly edit right on there because I had to take a work call. No, I think AC. I really crushed it. I really, I feel very confident. And I left you a little note in my local recording. Good. Um, I will check that. It, if it's funny, it might be the, the tag. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, th this is actually, to go back to the programming that we talked about at the beginning of the show, this is one of the reasons that we need to take a little bit of a break because things are real busy and I had to uh, stop here and take a work call. So yeah. anyway, I appreciate you finally informing me on what Garfield Phone Beach is. Now you know. Now I know. Hey, AC, <laughs> where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at acfachi.com. You can find me at acfachi.com, a website I built specifically for this show. Yes. And you can find me at matthorton.live, a website that recently got an update. Ooh. Uh, I uh, put out a video about the video game Yakuza Like a Dragon, and the written version is on that site. Um, Yakuza! Sorry. <laughs> That's very much the energy of these video games, but also like goofy and silly and enjoyable. I just really shocked how much I liked them. I thought it was going to be like really grossly over masculine and it's not that. I mean, it is that. Hell yeah. It's not that. Hell yeah. Yeah. You can find the show at can'tletitgo.gay and on Instagram threads and TikTok at the same place. Again, thanks to the worst garbage. Um, I feel like it's been really nice for us lately because we've been kind of really active as a group and um, doing things together, which makes me really excited. Um, you can find 
the network at theworstgarbage.online, and join us in the Discord, which wow. you can find at all of those websites and the Can't Let It Go channel, where we will be teasing our next episode. <laughs> um, what I'll tell you is it's not the traders, but we are going to talk about the traders. We will. We will. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you are, if you're wondering like, Hey, where, where's AC and Matt's season two conversation? It'll be a part of that episode for sure. Yeah. Um, but we've got big plans for that episode. Um, some really cool guests. Um, and I'm very excited for it. Yeah. I'm very excited too. Um, thank you to Scout for our art as always. Go pay her to make some art at ko-fi.com slash humblegoat. And thanks to at pragmatism on Twitter for our music. And we'll talk to you all next time. Talk to you next time. Bye. PWG, the worst garbage, the online. Matt can't hear this, but I just want to say it's personal growth that I haven't been singing the girl from Ipanema this whole time. <laughs>